Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Change Room with Rod and Leslie. That's Rod, and I am Leslie, and I think you might remember from last week, we'd started talking about growth and fixed mindset, and both Rod and I felt at the end of it that we still had a little bit more that we wanted to talk about on that subject. So we're going to bring that back a little bit, just certain little aspects that we we kind of wish we talked about a little bit, and then transition that into this week's real topic, which is really all about the Pygmalion effect. Um, so why don't we get started? Let's go back and let's think about what we wanted to say on growth and fix that we missed. Rod, what was your take? What do you what do you feel like mm-hmm. you wish we'd said but we didn't cover? I have a ton of things. <laughs> well, okay. There's one thing that I think when if anybody looks into the growth mindset, often they talk about um, how to build that in kids. And then they, right. they talk about, there's a, the one catchy thing was uh, Carol Dweck came out to say, you shouldn't tell your kids that they're smart. You should, uh, when you're praising kids, you shouldn't use uh, types of praise that you're so smart, you've got great talent, um, and so forth. And that, that caught a lot of attention from people because like, hey, wait yeah. a second, that's exactly what I say to my kids. And not just my kids, but like anyone else. Um, and My so I said think, that to me all the time. I can't wait to hear what's next. Go, Rod. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, th- I think the that's right. So many people is like, uh oh, what have I been doing? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that it uh, it's not suggested is that um, the praise is received as, wow, I've done really well because I'm capable, I'm smart, I have talent, I'm successful. Mm. It doesn't explain. You know, that's that's great. But then something else comes along and it was a little bit of a challenge or, you know, what it didn't really work out. And then the the person, the kid is feeling like, okay, well, I failed and I don't like this. Because I'm not smart at that thing yet. Mm. Well, I I think the the risk is that they take it as just generally a failure feeling versus being uh, being able to say, okay, this thing I'm failing at. It's like a general uh, take feeling that they take away. And so the, um, in, in how they talk about it is they say that that leads to the fixed mindset and to behaviors that are somewhat of, you know, manipulating things for the outcome versus, uh, embracing the learning process. And when you think about it, so much of schooling, and I, I think my kid, I think myself in school, it's like, I just need to pass this exam. I need to get a good mark. Yes. Uh, you do whatever you take to get that good mark, and you're not really concerned about am I learning anything through this process? Right. And so the then the suggested way is to um, praise effort, praise strategies taken to talk about kit with your kids or colleagues is, you know, what did they learn through the process? What what can they take away for next time? And then that builds more of the dialogue or acceptance that you know what, it's okay. Like whether the outcome was a roaring success or whether it was a struggle, but it's the the process that um, uh, is important. And and, and that mindset that you bring to it, whether you're looking to learn and grow. It's cool. Like what I think about when I hear you talk about it, Rod, is the notion that it almost shuts down my desire to be curious about something. Like I know in my own life, when I focused just on figuring out X and getting that mark or, you know, playing a piece successfully or whatever, 
it makes me less curious about my experience with it. And what am I learning as I go? If I feel like, and I've done this to myself a thousand times in my life, and I'm guessing listeners that you guys maybe have too, that you feel like you have to start from a place of being smart already and, and smart at that thing versus giving yourself the room to really grow into something, learn about it. Maybe you become a pro at it and maybe you don't. And that's okay. But as long as you've learned something along the way, um, that's the thing that really matters rather than starting from that place of smart. That's what I think the reinforcing of, oh, you're so smart has done in my life is sort of brought this notion that I have to start from a place of already being accomplished rather than giving myself the space and room that I need to grow and learn and do things maybe in a different way than I've ever done before. Mm-hmm. How's Definitely. it how's it manifested in your life or in your kids lives? Well, um certainly um I think I've seen as they've come through one has come through high school and the other is just starting high school and it really just becomes focused on uh the marks the output. Yeah. And there's no di- there's no dialogue about learning. I shouldn't say there's no. There are some cases where it's like I actually that was an interesting course. Um, but, it, and then it's just the general anxiety around, is that the, the mark that's good enough to get into uh, right. a university? Right. And then, and then it's the, the, the worry that they'll have the ability to make it through first year. Cause they hear all these stories from their friends, older kids saying how difficult university is. Uh, and, and yeah, and it's not, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't like this. I'm trying to actually. So I wasn't. I I can't say like. Oh, I completely went into university with this mindset of like I can grow and learn anything. Right. Right. I just kind of. I think I went because I didn't think that there was any other option. Same. <laughs> Same. It was just like, it didn't even occur to me. Like the fact that kids contemplate it now, whether or not they're going to go, I'm like fascinating. I didn't even yeah. consider that a question. Yeah. And when I was a kid, in some strange way. And as I've observed my kids and as a really stories from everybody is that through all the pandemic stuff, um, the majority of kids have just basically laid in bed all day, slept in yeah. super late, watched. And it it says that as humans, you know, there is as much as we would like to be just have uh, our motivation come from this source, this like inner well of purity mm-hmm. to be motivated to do things <laughs> the reality is is there's this balance between like yeah motivation because we're excited about something and we're going to learn pl- to the oh i actually have a commitment to do this so yes. i'm gonna yes get it done um yeah so we do yeah, we, think- we can revert to that sort of and and maybe that is from the pressure of the other situation of having to feel like marks are the thing and if i don't get the right marks my life is going to be shut down and oh my goodness what's Mm -hmm. first year university going to be like maybe all Mm -hmm. that worry and anxiety is what because i certainly at work you know i can feel that kind of stress sometimes and i do find that it at night i just want to be a vegetable you know like i Mm -hmm. really don't want to do if i don't practice my cello in the middle of the day at lunchtime which i'm trying to do um every day now then at Mm -hmm. night my brain is just and i think it is because perhaps um, we are in that little bit of a, of a pressure cooker of, you know, 
um, being smart, solving all the problems, mm-hmm. getting all the stuff done, answering all the questions, mm-hmm. getting the right grades, people perceiving you one way, all those things. It's mm-hmm. all that, uh, it's all that pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe like I, I do, I think that it, that's an important thing to recognize, right? That, that again, um, you know, last time we talked about the fact that we don't really want to say ever that one thing is better than the other. That's not our jam on this podcast, but certainly mm-hmm. one thing that, that a growth mindset brings and when we're in it and can be present in it is this notion of the art of the possible, you know, like the whole mm-hmm. world is my oyster. I can solve problems. I can figure things out and I will figure out what I do and don't like and what I am and I'm not good at because everybody's not good at everything. Thank goodness because life would Mm -hmm. be boring. And I feel like this is maybe a really good inflection point to transition into the Pygmalion effect, Mm -hmm. which you introduced me to for the very first time last week. So as usual, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say over to you, my friend, to talk a little (laughs) bit about what this is, and then we'll talk about maybe what it means in day-to-day life. Yeah. And so so the Pygmalion effect is... um, Something that I learned early on in my schooling, I can't remember at what stage, but it stuck with me uh, as one of these like core beliefs that mm. that I think is really powerful um, and it's, it's something to really pay attention to. And in the essence, and I'll, I'll get I'll explain it in some detail, but the essence is the expectations that, an, well, primarily somebody in a position of power, like a parent or a teacher, mm-hmm. Um, brings to that student or child influences influences then their outcome of whether they're successful or not in a, right. in a way that's that's not that that's uh, happens without uh, it being explicitly said so what the uh, Pygmalion apparently it's a, some Greek uh, person in the past who who developed a who was a sculpture and then he fell in love with his sculpture it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy is is essentially what it's describing mm. and um a guy named rosenthal i think back in the 50s or 60s did an experiment with uh students and teachers and he he told teachers he did a test like an intelligence test of a class of students he told the teacher that hey like we're keeping the secret from the students. You can't tell the students, but here's the results. Here are the, you know, the kids that were the smartest. Right. These other kids were less smart. But you like look, you cannot share it with them. Um now of course, surprise is that it wasn't the actual correct list of who's the smartest and who's not smartest. Dun, they dun, randomized dun. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh so they went through the year and then they found at the end of the year they did the test again, and the kids who were in that group of the where the, the teachers were told that these were the kids who were the smartest, but they weren't necessarily. Right. They actually did better on the test. So what does that mean? Is the and that teacher was told not to do anything different with them. Right. Right. Even with that, the teacher did do something differently with them clearly right unconsciously but clearly yes yes and it led to a real outcome they actually performed better on the test they had a a higher intelligence like based on that test how it was measuring it you would say they were a smarter 
than other students um, at the end of the year. And so when they, they dove into it is that the teachers, it's like they gave them a little bit more time or attention to figure out a problem. If, if the student right. was struggling, the teacher's approach to that student was, well, I know they're able to do this, so I'm just going to work with them a little bit more. Right. I'm going to, to challenge them a little bit more when I see some success because they're no, I know they're capable of doing it. And in this, again, in, in a very not uh, explicit way. Now, when you, when you think of that, that's to me, that's what I thought of that when we were thinking of the growth mindset yeah. uh, stuff around how to teach that in kids. And it just speaks to so much of actually so many things in our society. When you talk about the... Uh, the the big word of today, the systemic racism, or just how people from different, you know, whatever they represent or whatever, whoever they are, that the teacher or the parent or the person in society, the beliefs that they bring about that person, even if they're tr- tr- trying not to sh- share them, yeah. it does affect how they interact with, with th- these kids. And it, those expectations that are brought to those kids are are just embedded in how, um, again, how teachers and, and parents uh, help their kids grow and learn. So, um, and it affects. I think it's not just for children; it's for adults. Right. One hundred percent. Do you 100%. do you think, in your experience, have you seen where, depending on on the expectation you bring to a a team, you get a different experience with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, I guess, as I think about um, sort of developing as a leader over the course of my life, I think as when I started out, I was very much kind of a micromanager, told people what to do, kind of thought, went into it thinking, well, if if it's not done my way, then it's not going to be right. And so I need to manage it really closely um, versus letting, you know, believing that people could do it, believing that that inherent capability existed. And if I allowed people the room to grow, um, that they'd be able to do it. And it's interesting. I just, I, I was chatting with my current leader and she was saying to me, she asked me whether or not it's a conscious decision. She witnesses me being fairly hands-off with my team. I, I let them go with the flow and do what they need to do. And, I have an inherent belief that they can do things. And she said, is that conscience on conscious on your, on your behalf? And I said, absolutely. Because I, I, I've, I've worked the other way. I've worked for people who treat me the other way, who treat me like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm incapable. And I do find it shuts people down. You know, as I look back at my career, when I've been that leader and worked for that leader, it really just shuts down creativity and it shuts down people's desire to overachieve versus when you say to people, I'm just going to trust that you're going to, that you want to do this work, that it is of Mm. interest to you, that you want to solve this problem, that we have a collective shared understanding of the problem that has to be solved. That mm-hmm. to me, I, I mean, I'm I'm in this wonderful situation in my life right now in my career where I have this amazing team working for me. And I don't think it's entirely because I've given them the breath to grow. I think they come to the table pretty darned awesome. But giving them that sense of I trust you and I trust your brain and I trust your capabilities and I trust your experiences. It's it's really remarkable the difference that it Mm -hmm. brings versus who I was at the beginning where it was honestly a disaster and, and, uh, 
I was miserable. I'm fairly certain that they were miserable mm-hmm. too. And uh, certainly when I've been on the receiving end of, of someone who doesn't trust my capabilities and experience, it has been a fairly horrible experience. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's, what's your experience with all of this? Yeah, I um, say very similar. You know, I, I think it's this uh, magic between, and this is why when we were talking about the ghost mindset before is to say, it's not the complete picture. We, I don't think we were satisfied just to say, hey, you should go out and have a, a gross mindset and everything's going to be taken care of. Right. Um, <laughs> to me, it's, <laughs> this is the other part. It's like, you you are who you are, but in the ecosystem of the people that you're working with, like you can bring that mindset in, but if on the flip side, you're manager uh, has a different point of view it you know you can't make that happen like it it, it, so I mean my experience has been in I'd say myself as as leading a team but also myself as being on the team is um, you need the different pieces to come together for it to work right like because if you you can try your best to bring this positive I'm going to grow and and be open to learning and and ask dumb questions and all this stuff but if yes what's being asked of you is is this perfection out of the box and challenged at every moment um then you you can't get there like yeah it just won't happen yeah and sometimes i think that pressure perfection out of the box i love that uh, i love that saying i think that pressure is as much internal as it is external sometimes and so we mm-hmm. have to you know what i mean like i think i think a big part of being part of a bigger team is is learning when is this an internal force that I'm putting on myself and is it helping is it hindering when am I experiencing it how am I experiencing it and when is it an external force and what what if anything can I do I need to do and can I do um, to Mm -hmm. help address that right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I think the the you know the I'd say the realities of any kind of professional situation um, is that, you know, a lot of times as stuff is getting done, it's messy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people, we all bring our, as we've talked about, we all bring our emotions to the table. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes, I was going to say, we probably never have like a perfect scenario where all the, the, the lights align of, of, you know, managers being great with their teams and teams being great with the energy they're bringing and, and all that stuff. But definitely, you definitely can see the momentum when it's, you're building like what you were describing with your team. You, you you know, you can definitely see when people kind of get in a role of the confidence that comes with uh, the expectation, where the expectations on them is to do good work and to bring their, their brains to the table and energy to the table and they start doing that that's it. It's pretty powerful and don't get me wrong guys i think that i i mean we're not pollyanna about this i think there are times when things go sideways and someone does need to be managed a little bit more closely and they do but it's almost like rod the example you were giving about that teacher where the teacher goes in with the assumption that the student is smart and therefore i'm going to provide that added bit of help or support or whatever it is in a work in a change context 
to help this person forward because I trust in their inherent capabilities. So we're not, neither of us are saying that things never go sideways at work. Of course they do. I think it's how we manage that and how we deal with it um, so that we're not just sort of clamping down and saying, now I will micromanage you because this thing has gone sideways. Uh, it's mm-hmm. again, how do we come back to that growth mindset? How do we ask questions about what happened? How do we dig mm-hmm. into it? Was it something out of this person's control? And, you know, they perhaps done all these great things, but something else went sideways that caused it. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many different contributing factors. That's, I think, the important thing to note here. Neither of us mm-hmm. is saying that it's always going to be like perfect in dreamland. Mm-hmm. Things definitely go sideways. And it's, mm-hmm. I think, even more important how we deal with things and how we work with people, especially during times of giant change uh, mm-hmm. that really makes a difference and really can help us stand tall and feel better about ourselves in life as well. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, that's my secret. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm definitely. so down with the happy path in life uh, and finding mm-hmm. things that will help us onto the happy path. And in my experience, this is something that really helps everybody feel more content and happy with how things are working, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I'm, I'm, as we're talking about this, I'm tying a little bit earlier, you know, um, talking about kids going to school and university and, and this, like, well, it's just the expectation to go. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it is the power of the expectation that people, or that we think people have of us. And actually, I don't know exactly the opinion to say right now but i'm just kind of you know recognizing the power of that expectation it can be Mm -hmm. used for good or evil um and i think it needs to be there the absence of it is is not good like if if there's right i think even we we all need a little bit of uh responsibility uh, absolutely Otherwise, we all end we all land in the couch potato scenario, but for extended periods of time. Right. Like, I think it's okay to need that to recharge our batteries. I mean, I would I would say that classically defined, I'm an introvert. So um, needing that time to regroup or whatever is a is a critical part of my health and well-being. But yeah, we we also still need to think that I, I do. I think that we need to think that someone else expects great things from us. And then mm-hmm. we, we, we mm-hmm. will all always rise to the occasion, no matter what mm-hmm. that is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my first cello teacher was um, classically trained. She went to Juilliard. She was trained by this cellist called Leonard Rose. He's a very, very well known and uh, pedagogically sound cellist. And she had crazy high expectations of me and, you know, was very, was never a, oh, great job, Leslie, for every little thing I did. When I got Mm -hmm. a great job, Leslie, from her, it was because I had really done something where I'd been working and working and struggling and working and trying and, uh, and it all came to fruition. And when I think about that style, that really worked for me. I knew she was setting high expectations. I knew she mm-hmm. wanted um, big things for me and trusted that I could get there or else she wouldn't have set the benchmark as high as she did. And that mm-hmm. to me was one of the most rewarding learning experiences I've ever had was working with her. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, 
Yeah, I, I do think that having those not so crazy high where someone can't mm-hmm. achieve it. We are like it has to be, you know, the person well, you know what they're capable of and it's within their capability structure. But I do mm-hmm. think that all of us rise to the occasion more when someone sets the bar, what feels like to us just a little bit out of our reach. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that that reaching that searching experience is um, is so powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. Oh, it's it, it. You know, it's leading to maybe a potential a carryover topic because <laughs> how exciting! There, I a, love a good carryover magic, topic. <laughs> there's a magic on how this, you know, you know, my opinion in terms of uh, how it come together. I'm using the term my opinion carefully because I was having a debate with some friends last night about who gets to decide what's what's correct. You know, mm-hmm. who, so this is just my opinion, but. You know, someone could take the conversation that we're having to say, hey, yeah, like I should, you know, I want my kids to be super successful. Super successful means doctor or lawyer. Right. They should be a doctor or lawyer. I'm going to have that expectation of them. Off they go. But there's, it's, you were, the way you described there's like if, in in that, if it's this magic between, it's something that you are interested in. Like there's, there's got right. to be a seed right. of. I would kind of like to do that, but I don't really know how to do that. I'm not sure yeah. if I can. You know, it's like I like, I don't know, I like music, but I I don't really know if I could do anything with it. Um, but to have that person, kind of like a coach yeah, in a way, but it's helping guiding you and pushing and saying, like, you you can achieve this other thing if it that's what you want. Um, here's, you know that expectation that you can do it and push you towards it. Um, realizing not everyone's going to be able to play in the NBA if you want to be an NBA player in an NHL, but it's the same right. of getting fulfillment and at least um, putting effort and energy behind what you're passionate about and that, having that person help you do that. Get to that. I, I think we might, we, we indeed might have a carryover topic because I, I think there is a, there is a power in recognizing when is, and I don't know if it's intrinsic and extrinsic, but when is something, um, when is something that you want to achieve because it's something that you really want versus that external force from outside of your life saying thou shalt. And how do you manage mm-hmm. through those things? How do you sort of decide which ones you do take on and which ones you don't take on? And, and that sort of a thing. I think that that is a really um, important life skill. Certainly with the cello, I wanted to do it. And as an mm-hmm. adult, I went back to the cello. And so I was committed to getting better. Um, it's different, I think, when people are younger and developing and the whole, you know, everything is, is an open door. How do we mm-hmm. refine those choices? How do we figure it out what we really want? Um, I think is really important. So yeah, maybe we've mm-hmm. got a maybe we've got a little bit of a follow up on the Pygmalion effect. Mm-hmm. So given where we are with time, my friend, is there anything mm-hmm. is there anything we've missed that you wished we'd covered that we think we should say as we close out this episode with potentially a to be continued? I don't know. With the fear of diving into something, you know. <laughs> okay, let's I save think- it. Let's save it. Okay, my friends. So now you have to tune in for next week because Rod has something big and juicy that he wants to share (laughs) that I don't even know what it is yet. And so you got to come back next week and listen so we can all figure it out together, my friends. I've got some high expectations of you, Rod, for next week. I'm wondering whether it's a big secret. It's not a big reveal. I just, 
I tell you, no, it's because I could dive into the details of then that this, the power of uh, the expectation, the self-fulfilling Okay, shh, don't tell them. We want them to come back next week and listen to it. Shh. All right, there it is. Yeah. Okay, friends, we are signing off for this week. Thank you, as always, for joining us in the change room. And uh, who knows what we're going to talk about next week, but I think it's going to be something pretty good. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Rod.